Today's guest is guiding kids to explore their kitchens for arthropods, and he leads them by the sound of his voice. Remote learning through audio, next on the K-12 Engineering Education Podcast. I'm Pius Wong. My guest today is Marshall Escamilla, a Texas teacher turned podcaster. Marshall creates the popular Tumble Science podcast for kids with his wife, Lindsay, and he's just come out with a new audio course aimed at kids. He joined me from his home in Spain to talk about all of that and more. So I'm Marshall Escamilla, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Tumble Science podcast for kids. Thanks, Marshall. And you've been on the K-12 Engineering Education podcast before, two years ago, and it feels like it was forever ago. It's really, a lot's changed since 2018, just yeah, no kidding. Just in general. <laughs> right. And so I wanted to talk to you about lots of things, since lots of stuff has happened, including your new project. I know that you and Lindsay have a new remote learning audio course coming out. Yes. Yeah, I'll get to the audio course, but I guess I just wanted to start out. How are you doing? How are you and Lindsay doing? Uh, we're doing pretty well, all things considered. Um, we still live in Spain. Certainly from, I want to say, March 15th to maybe it was like mid-May. It was pretty rough. But at the same time, I don't, I don't know. It's like there's always a way to imagine your life being worse, right? So there's always... There's always someone who has it worse than you. And I think especially in like hard times, it's important to remember that while at the same time, not letting that overshadow that, you know, like having two kids in a tiny apartment that you're not allowed to leave without incurring like a pretty hefty fine is uh, that's just a hard thing to do. And I think it's possible to honor both things. Yeah. And we've seen in the news over here, here in Texas, that it was really bad in Spain and I didn't realize that they're enforcing fines and all of that stuff. Uh, They were. Uh, At this point, we've gone through what they call the de-escalation phases, and now we're in the new normality. I I would say things are pretty much back to normal now, except that there are no tourists, and that's like a major change for Barcelona, for sure, especially during the summer. Hmm. So yeah, but during during the peak of the confinement, which I think, I mean, children were not allowed out of the house for any reason whatsoever mm. from March 15th to, I believe, May 1st was the first time that you could even go on a 30-minute walk, like within a kilometer of your house. Wow. And that that was the, the very first, or maybe it was the week before. I don't remember the exact date, but you know, it was it was a good long time like 50 some days where the children just were not allowed out of the house. And there was period. no school as well. I mean, during the summer period. Yeah. Well, this was, this was in March. So sure. at this point, the schools have opened up again, but you know, it's midsummer. So we were able to put our, our son in kind of like the, the schools run a summer camp. So he went to his school summer camp for five weeks And we were able to do that. And in the fall, it looks, you know, everybody I talk to is pretty confident that there's going to be in-person schooling of some kind in Barcelona. But the, I I think at this point, only the school administrators know the details. You're sounding, you're saying things that sound a lot like what I've been hearing here in Texas, same thing, superintendents and 
those school leaders are each making their own decisions and uh, we will see what happens, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one difference between uh, the United States and Spain is the amount of centralized control. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever, whatever the, they call it the Generalitat, like the, uh, the state government of Catalonia, whatever they decide, every school in Catalonia is going to do public or private. So in a way that's in a situation like this, that's, actually, I think a lot better than sort of putting that weight on a single principal who might, you know, I don't know. I, I just wouldn't want to be in the, dis- in the position of having to decide between offering an education and my student's safety or my staff safety, students and staff. Yeah. I think that I do not envy any, any leader in that position right now. Hmm. Not to so. start out so heavy, but I mean, I had to address it right away. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I have to mention, not only are you a parent taking care of your kids, um, you're creating a big podcast. I assume that you're producing a lot of that at home. Fortunately, you don't have to travel a whole ton. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, luckily we, we were pretty fortunate in that, you know, I mean, since we moved to Barcelona three years ago, we've gotten very used to working remote and working at home. So, you know, most of our business contacts and partners and all that were all stateside. So we've been working, we've been doing like the Zoom thing for three years now. Mm. When, when the pandemic hit and all the schools closed and everything shut down. And I think lots of people were having to scramble to be able to produce stuff the same way they were before. And we just weren't because we'd been doing it that way all along. I was listening to some of your episodes lately. I mean, you're still producing quality content and I had to go back and listen to our conversation from two years ago too. And I remember at the end of that conversation, you were saying how like you try to keep it light, you know, light and entertaining <laughs> in every episode. And then I see, you know, of course, in, in March and in, in the summer, you have two COVID episodes pretty much. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't know yeah, if you want I mean, to talk the, about the f- that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the first COVID episode was just uh, answering kids' questions. And I, I have to say, just for myself, I'm extremely glad we did that because it was nice to have kind of a lifeline to someone who really is an authentic expert, you know, because like the kids had every question that kids had for um, our guests on that show, I'm blanking on his name, but I know he was you a know, doctor, Dr. Demois or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he was from Johns Hopkins, mm-hmm. uh, the pediatric school. And every question the kids had, I had too. And it was really, it was really great to be able to talk to someone who knew what they were talking about. So at the, the first one, and then the second one we did was to kind of update because by the time, you know, six weeks later, a lot of the answers had changed. So we sort of did just some follow-up questions. Uh, but honestly, that one was not as well-received or in terms of just like number of listeners as the first mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And what was really well received was an episode we did about virology, which was, you know, where did the virus, where did, do viruses come from? And that's actually now one of our most popular shows or episodes of all time. I, I think we were just trying to perform a service, right? And yeah. give people information at a time when, uh, you know, there's just lots of scary facts being tossed around that it's hard to tell what is correct and what's not. 
And that's part of your mission with the Tumble Science Podcast to help kids learn how to disseminate or interpret better information or what's reliable, what's not. Yeah, well, most definitely. I mean, it's more maybe about science literacy and having kids understand that science is a process and not just a bunch of information that remains static. So in in some ways, the, the coronavirus episodes were really excellent you know, primers and how that works. Cause yeah. you know, there was lots of the scientists saying, you know, well, we don't know right now. We don't know for sure. We're going to keep looking and find out more, but this is what we think right now based on what we've seen. No, I, I, you're, you're reminding me of all that stuff in there. That was a really good point. I remember that theme coming up and I, cause I've also had that conversation with other people here, including my sometimes co-host Rachel, the idea that people have to understand that science is about just uncovering more and more information. And I like that you kind of updated your your information. I wonder why it wasn't as well received, that second episode, compared to the other one. Yeah, I, I think by the time that one came out, I mean, that was maybe mid-April. And by the time that came out, I think just everybody was exhausted. <laughs> You're- Coveted out, uh, yeah. That there was just sort of, I, I don't know. I think people were just tired of hearing about it. Yeah, by then. it had been five weeks or something since the, you know, since places started shutting down and people started really asking, like, "What is this thing? What is going on? Why, you know, should I be afraid to hug my friends?" Like, in mm. by the by the time the second one came out, I think everybody had had all of their questions answered at least in the short term and all they wanted to know was like when can i get my kids out of the house (laughs) yeah 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 well speaking of hearing too much about it we don't have to keep on going on that topic but (laughs) but related to that i mean there is schools are opening up now here in texas and likewise in spain like you were saying and a lot of it is virtual Mm -hmm. um you have a new audio course out where kids could listen to it and ideally and learn without as much risk maybe uh, as going into school in person. Is that part of the reason why you've produced this course right now, this new course? Um, it, I, I think that's definitely part of it. And and I think another part of it is just wanting to create this thing, you know, mm-hmm. cause I, I, I didn't mention this earlier, but you know, my background is in education. I've been teaching in the classroom for 17 years and I really, we really had this opportunity to partner with uh, Himalaya Learning to really combine my two passions and make, make Tumble into something that really connects with what's my calling, which is teaching kids. Yeah. But also, I mean, it's, it, it's timely and it's well-placed. It's certainly, as I was making it, I was trying really hard to make it into something that... I would want to use as a parent and that would be useful for me as a parent and also as a teacher. So, you know, part, part of the idea is that this is something that kids can do with minimal supervision and minimal intervention from adults so that they mostly can do it on their own as long as they're able to read. That's, Hmm. that's the one, the one caveat. So if your if your kid can read, they can do this course without any assistance for the most part. Okay. So describe for me, what this course is like. It's not just listening. It's not just reading. 
what is it exactly? Yeah, uh, maybe I should have said that at, oh, at, no, the, at the top. No worries, I'm, I'm just going in <laughs> randomly. Because like you make a podcast and I think a lot of people by now who who might listen to my little corner of the internet, they're probably aware of your podcast because it's a big deal for um, STEM younger kids, STEM education. But how would your course be different from that podcast, for example? Yeah, well, so I mean, the first thing is it's designed to be interactive. So there's lots of uh, moments basically the kids are supposed to be doing stuff along with it. So I should say that it's called the wildlife of your home pod course. And uh, it's connected to our episode of the same title, um, which is about the work of a scientist named Rob Dunn, who uh, Rob basically did a big survey of the number of species of mostly arthropods that live in people's homes. Mm. And he began by investigating just a few houses and then uh, expanded it into a citizen science project where you can participate just through an app called iNaturalist. So the whole course is guiding kids on discovering the wild animals that live in their house and asking questions about what they're doing there and what they're what they might be eating. And if you find a spider, what is its what what is it chowing down on on a daily basis? What's its what's its diet like? Mm-hmm. And then if it's eating something in your house, what is that thing that it's eating eating? So it's sort of guiding them through asking all those questions, and then also just like exploring their house and finding what lives there besides you know humans and pets. It's like an observational biology course, except for kids. Yeah. Wow. My my initial plan with it was to make it aligned uh, with. Uh, the next generation science standards. Um, And I actually had a bunch of conversations with some really knowledgeable folks in that field to sort of make sure I was doing it right. Mm -hmm. I'm not 100% certain that I did it right, but I did my very best (laughs) to to do it exactly as, you know, NGSS would want. And to create something that really, really inspired kids to wonder and also discover. How does audio or text and reading and and other forms of media, how do they integrate into your course? Well, so the it's pretty much audio only, okay. though there are worksheets that they can do on their own and there are some there are some like sort of side quests they can complete that require reading. But for the most part, I'm guiding them through uh, explorations. So I, I believe in the third episode, we start out in their kitchen and we sort of explain to them what to look for, to stand in their kitchen and look around and think about like, where might some cre- where might you find creatures? Where might you find living things? And ultimately, we guide them to the windowsill uh, where it's quite common to find the corpses of arthropods. <laughs> so they go there and we sort of talk to them about like how to collect specimens from the windowsill and then how to examine them. And so they're kind of getting that immersive guide in conversations while they're looking in their room, while they're in the space about the space that they're in. And then guides of like how to examine a specimen. Uh, We talk about classification systems and how to classify the specimens you have based on what traits they have. Mm -hmm. 
all, all while they're actively looking at something that they like either a picture they've taken or a, an actual, you know, insect that they've collected. It sounds cool because it reminds me of like Pokemon Go, for example, or any other kind of video game where you might have a prompt like asking you to do something and, you know, the kid does it. Is there a way that they get feedback at all? Unfortunately, I mean, that's the one missing piece. So if you know anyone who's like a super, you know, programming whiz, or if any of your listeners are programming whizzes and want to like help make a Pokemon Go version of this, where it's, (laughs) you know, audio, but then that's responsive to like where you are in a location and can also be interacted with. I mean, I I would love to be involved in creating something like that. That sounds like a lot of work too, but... But it would uh, be potentially, awesome. and potentially, yes. <laughs> no, I was wondering what what inspired you to focus on arthropods or, or this topic. Well, is it just because it's accessible? Yeah, I mean, to so the the process of creating this thing is basically uh, Himalaya Learning reached out to us, which you know Himalaya is a podcasting app, and they were ex- they wanted to expand into offering more explicitly educational content. And they they reached out to us and asked us to make this thing for them. And we came back with like, well, here are 10 different topics we could do. And uh, this is the one they picked out of the 10. And I think, you know, I mean, we also really sold it mostly from the, you know, all of your listeners are housebound right now. Mm -hmm. This is something they can do without leaving the house. That felt timely to everybody and that felt appropriate to what we're going through right now. Yeah, totally. And I guess I'm viewing it from that curriculum developer eye or even from an engineer's eye. You wanted it to be interactive. So are there, I guess, choices that the kids would make as they're going through your course? Um, I don't know if that makes any sense. I'm thinking of like a choose your own adventure book or there's a new show on Netflix from Kimmy Schmidt where you can choose which video you want to see. And oh, I'm wow. wondering if there's any of that. I wanted to do some of that, like particularly uh, when we were doing the classification episode, I wanted to sort of create a choose your own adventure thing. Cause I, we, we based that all on a, on a dichotomous key, like the kind of thing where it's like, does it have six legs? Yes. Mm. No. Okay. Yes. Go to page five. No, go to page six. I wanted to do that in the audio, but there wasn't a feature on the app that made that easy to do. And I thought about like scrub ahead to minute two oh five, but that would have been that would have been nightmarish from a <laughs> user perspective as well. Right, right. So, so what I ended up doing was just sort of create a worksheet with that information on it, and then in the episode we sort of talk about how scientists use common traits to group animals into like groups and, you know, what are the common traits of an arthropod and what are the common traits of a insect and so on. Yeah. Do you expect that the kids or students who go through that course or this kind of audio course, that they're not just learning content knowledge? Are they also say learning about the scientific method or, you know, those bigger ideas that people always say kids should learn or the stuff that's listed in NGSS. Yeah, that that's definitely my hope. That's that's my hope that they'll get that out of it. Um, I say at one point in the very last episode because this one, unlike Tumble, where it's 
Lindsay and my voice on the on the podcast. This one, I'm the only host. Though Lindsay, Lindsay did all the editing and hmm. a, a good chunk of helping me write it. But anyway, one of the, one of the things I said in the last episode was just I I hope if nothing else that they get a sense of wonder about the creatures in the world. And I I have to say my my experience from making this thing has definitely definitely given me that. And I want to say by extension, my six year old son has has learned that as well. Um, Has he participated? uh, I've experimented with him on doing some of the things that we put in the course. Mm. I kind of tested on on him every now and again. You know, the other day we were out and a jumping spider landed on his arm. And I I was just so proud that like he had it on his arm and he was just like, look at this cool spider. And you know, we took a picture of it. We uploaded it to iNaturalist and we were like, what is it? What could it be? You know? Yeah. And it was just such a, I don't know. I was very proud of him in that moment. That's that he wasn't the kid that was like you. <laughs> yeah, I know that's cool. And part of it probably is because you were there. Is this an opportunity for parents to get involved with what their kids are learning? Yeah. And I mean, I think that's the great thing about audio is you know, on the one hand, like if you want to turn it on and leave the room and just have faith that your kids are doing something valuable and not just zonking out in front of YouTube for six hours, audio can do that for you. Or, you know, you can turn it on and like you can do the dishes while you're listening to what your kids are listening to. You know, it's something that you really can share in a way that, uh, I don't know, like TV and other things are, are a bit harder to share. You're striking me as someone who's thought a lot about how you could teach someone when when you're not even there. Like part of the solution then is to have someone there with them. And I'm thinking about these issues too. I'm still teaching math remotely here in Austin, Texas. Mm. I'm wondering what tips you might have out of the things you've thought about for um, making remote learning more interactive, more effective. You know, are right. there any general principles you kind of stick by? Um, I think, you know, synchronous learning, I think I think it's important that there be some of it, depending on the age of the kid. You know, I, th- I think you got to be like, hey, class, let's, what are we doing now? But I, I really think uh, in, insofar as your administration and your school district will let you, I think it'd be smart to plan offline activities that students can do on their own schedule as much as, as as much as possible. I mean, I think the, you know, there obviously has to be accountability. I think it can't just be like, here's your thing, do do it whenever you want. <laughs> but, you know, if you could have, like, if you could arrange your day where you've got a scheduled check-in with your class where you're talking about one thing for a little bit and maybe having a little bit of discussion or maybe there's some lecture or something like that. But then you're able to say like, okay, um, here's the list of offline activities I want you to do. Go do them. That just seems like incredibly good advice to me just because, you know, as, as adults, we definitely experience Zoom fatigue. Right. Right. I, I've been in those 90 minute Zoom meetings and it's just like Oof. by the end, you're exhausted. Just 
just spent and all you want to do is like stare at the ceiling and <laughs> and like count the number of holes in it and I, and I just imagine with kids that has to be so much stronger and mm-hmm. or you know i i'd imagine whatever fatigue we adults experience at 60 minutes like kids have got to be experiencing at 20 at 15 so i i imagine you know if i were prepping a course right now i'd really try to balance out like give them as much offline stuff that they can do on their own time as possible and try to limit the staring at screens hmm. as as much as I can. I mean, you know, you, teachers don't have a hundred percent autonomy on this. There's, I'm sure there's yeah. like requirements of like, they've got to be checked into zoom two hours a oh, day yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And I've heard every school and district is different. And actually what you're saying reminds me of something I think I saw on Twitter. There was someone, a college professor who had been teaching psychology to students online for years and years and years. And one of his number one recommendations for older students was you can't lecture for more than 10, 20 minutes tops, but 10 minutes ideally. And I'm thinking that you kind of follow that rule when you're making these podcasts anyway. None of your episodes go go super long. Um, is the yeah. course kind of like that as well? They're just broken up into little chunks that students can work on at a time. They aren't like listening to you talk for an entire 20 <laughs> no. minutes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Each, each episode maxes out at 15 minutes and mm. there's, there's 10 of them. And even within those 15 minutes, there's lots of times where I give an instruction and then just play music for a minute and a half and, come back and say, if you need more time, press pause right now. Jeopardy style. It's funny you mentioned music too. I mean, you're a composer. You you know a lot about music. How do you use music in your courses? I'm wondering, is it possible for teachers in general to like use music or audio more effectively in their remote learning? Ooh. Oh, that's that's a good question that I'm not at all prepared for. But let me oh. see if I can think about it. <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm just thinking about it because, like, I don't do anything entertaining in my remote classes because I don't think I have time. But yeah, I, I don't know. Is there just free stuff online to jazz up an online learning environment? Oh yeah, there's tons, tons and tons. Um, there's a place called the Free Music Archive where you can download music just for free that you can use however you want. And in fact, uh, you know, a lot of podcasters who are starting out and independent will just like suck that archive dry. Um, Mm -hmm. There's, there's one composer. I I think he's maybe moved out of fashion a little bit in the last five years because it was literally like in 2016, everyone was using him. His name's Poddington bear. Hmm. Um, And if you listen to his, what he's got available on free music archive. If you listen to a lot of podcasts, you'll start to be like, Oh yeah, that's (laughs) where this came from. But you know, in terms of like circling back to your original question, which is like, how do you use this? I I can tell you, you know, what we do with tumble and, and for the pod course, what we did is it's sort of like the music is there to add energy and emphasis. Okay. So like, there's a really powerful effect. Like if you hear someone talking and there's music underneath them. So like the music starts and then uh, they're talking over the music. And then if the music suddenly goes away, that moment 
becomes really strongly emphasized. So, you know, if you're, if you're making like a video lesson or an audio lesson or something like that, and there's a point you really, really want to underline, you know, just have some music going and then bring it down, make it go away right for that point. And that will really focus the attention on that moment in the story yeah. more than, more than what came before it. That's really interesting. Is there such a thing as a soundboard or something that teachers could just have around and click a button like a radio DJ and just play those music (laughs) tools? I don't know. Cause like I do synchronous teaching and I'm thinking, wow, that would be really nice if I had just on the fly sampling of of sounds like that. I I guess that's just an idea. You don't know of anything like that. Yeah, if I were going to do something like that, I mean, probably, probably I would do it in an asynchronous environment. Like if I'm recording a video that I'm sharing with my class. Um, If you're doing it live, I know Ableton Live has features that can do that. I'm not, I'm not sure how you'd plug in in a way that you can broadcast in a live setting. And I'm not familiar with Ableton Live. Is that just a online platform? No, I mean it's it's a professional quality music creation software. Okay. Though it's also, I think it's used for podcasts sometimes, but they're, they're, they're really focused on the musician market. Apple has a, has a program out called, uh, gosh, I've got it. What's it called? Main stage, which is also designed for live performance. So it has a lot of the same features and it wouldn't, this is like beyond rookie level. You know, this is like, you're a faculty advising the AV club and that's your level of interest. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, uh, but in terms of just like having music that fades in and out, it's maybe wouldn't be hard to do something like that just with GarageBand or Mm -hmm. even just having your iTunes playing. It's, it's extra anyway, is all I was thinking about. (laughs) It's probably not the main focus of what we should be teaching when I got to teach like the Pythagorean theorem or something. Yeah. I, I, pretty soon, I'm probably going to release a like music of tumble record out onto Spotify. That's got lots of like good background music, so you could just like play that and be guaranteed it's not going to distract too much attention. Cool. And I would earn a very tiny royalty for every time you played it on Spotify, and then just turn the volume down when you want to uh, have a silent moment. That would be awesome. I wish that our online LMS had that built in. Uh, maybe yeah. there should be a Spotify integration. Yeah. Well, Spotify, you can embed Spotify probably, hmm. but Spotify, like embedded Spotify doesn't work super well. Like you could embed a playlist. Like if your LMS has an embed feature, like I, know, sure. I mean, at, at my last school, we used PowerSchool, like the unified classroom, and that had the capacity to embed anything that had an embed code. So you probably could embed a Spotify playlist, but the thing is because of Spotify's like revenue model, if if your students don't have premium, they sometimes the embedding doesn't work. Okay. I guess that's something to play with. Yeah. But there are other things like Bandcamp can be embedded, uh SoundCloud can be embedded. I'm trying right. to think of other music web-based apps that just have an automatic embed feature. I'll I'll try to ask people to email me just for the selfish reason of trying to fix my own classroom a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Just just having some tunes to jam out to. Yeah, totally. One of the things that 
uh, besides just having background music and a better atmosphere, one of the things that I always worry about is getting students to collaborate because in person, it's obviously so much easier, I think. And even in person, uh, this fall is going to be difficult because, you know, people have to be in small pods or mm -hmm. they're going to be separated by a distance. And then remotely, of course, how do you encourage collaboration and communication across the internet? And is that something you thought about when developing the podcast or the course? Uh, well, I mean, the pod course is really designed to be done by like one person at a time. But that being said, a feature of Himalaya learning that I was pretty psyched about, but that kind of isn't ready for prime time is the ability of student like of users of the course to record audio themselves and then share it mm. automatically through the platform. I say it's not quite ready for prime time because they the feature is installed and it's great and it's working, but it's they haven't like dealt with all the privacy issues that come from using it with minors. Right, right. And you know, from a teacher's perspective, you know, I know as a teacher, like if I was going to enroll my class in this, I would want to be able to create a classroom account that then is just private between me and my students and that's it. And they haven't got it set up quite like that. Now, if there's like a ton of teachers who are like, I really want to use this, they will develop that feature for us. So, hmm. you know, one, one way uh, we could get it is by teachers saying, this sounds great and I want to use it. And then um, we can get the feature. mob Himalaya. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's awesome. Yeah. I, that's how a business should work, I guess. That's what they tell me. Yeah. Listen to your customers. Yeah. Speaking of teachers using it, do you foresee that teachers or schools would want to use your pod course or is it more like just parents might give it to their kid or something at home? You know, I, re I made it so it would be useful to teachers. So I would hope so. If I were going to use it as a teacher, I would make it one, the category of activity that is done offline and then is something that we can share and talk about collaboratively when we're in our Zoom meeting on a daily basis. So, you know, you could just say, like, do this episode today, and it's got the worksheets, it's got the episode, the, the episode's 10 minutes, and then with extension activities, they could, it could take them, you know, 40 minutes to an hour every episode, and then you could discuss and talk about what you learned and so on and so forth. Our main audience is probably parents and kids, but I, I wanted it to be useful to as many people as it could be. Got it. And how would people find out more about that, the course? Well, so you can go sign up for it. The first two episodes are out now on, um, I think the new URL they're giving me is Himalaya.com slash tumble. So if you just go there, you can hear the first episode for free. And then the second episode, the, the rest of the episodes, you'd have to sign up for the course. You can do the individual course for fourteen ninety nine. You can do the full platform for nine ninety nine a month because hmm, so, they've got other stuff too besides yeah, this. Yeah, ours is the only thing that's aimed towards kids, and ours is the only one that's you know school oriented. We're the only thing that's you know NGSS aligned or anything aligned. But you know, there's lots of great stuff on there. There's some Malcolm Gladwell stuff. There's Tony Robbins. There's you know tons of awesome, interesting celebrities. Would you want to keep on doing this? Would you make another course? 
if the let me, I definitely would. This was this was an amazing experience, honestly, and I I really love what we've made. I, I just think it's so cool. <laughs> and so, can I hear some of the other ideas that you passed over? Because I know you said you were in talks about several different topics, not just you know the arthropods at home. Oh yeah. Are there other things that you think? someone could do or you might do in the future? Well, so the, um, when we pitched it, we based each of them off of a tumble episode. So one of them was, uh, look for animals in your house or not, sorry, not animals in your house, just like the, the animals in your neighborhood. Um, kind of the, the same basic idea, but a little bit broader in scope. Another one was about sort of connected to all the episodes we've done about animals and how they, have adapted mm. to survive because that, that's one of the NGSS standards is about, you know, how animals adapt to their environment and change over time. And we've got five to 10 different episodes that touch on that in one way or another. There was also, we, we pitched one about the uh, secret senses of plants, that episode, which is about how plants communicate with one another using chemicals and specifically talking about one research study where they'd played recordings of caterpillar munching and then found that all the plants in the room that heard the recording started like producing defense chemicals. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love how each of your episodes could be a spin-off potentially. Yeah. You have the time and resources. Yeah, I every single one is. And even even if we don't do another course with Himalaya, I really I mean, with everything I learned about NGSS, I really want to work on making our podcast more accessible and useful for NGSS teachers. Particularly, I, I mean, one thing I heard from one of the education advisors that I talked to when I was making the course was sort of how when they begin with the anchor phenomenon, they like to sort of, they'll, they'll take a a piece of media, kind of like an episode of Tumble or a video from National Geographic, something like that, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. kind of cut it up in a way that presents the phenomenon without the explanation and then make the kids think about the explanation before you show it to them. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because I was thinking what, um, when I was listening to one of your episodes with a mechanical engineer, I was thinking what you were just saying. Like, I think you were talking with um, someone who redesigned the wheelchair. Yeah. And it was written in my mind like, oh, this is what a lot of primary school teachers, when they want to teach engineering and the design process, they want to hear it presented in that way, the problem and then, you know, brainstorming for ideas. It's kind of cool that you're bringing those standards into the episodes too. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, something I would love to do at some point, we just need like time and maybe a grant to do it is on our website, sort of create an index of all the NGSS standards and then have some edited versions of shows that teachers can just use in their classroom. And, you know, something that could be easily embeddable in any LMS or anything like that. Right. So that's, that's down the road. It, it'll take a grant or time or I don't know, but it's something I really do want to do. Well, you're, you're certainly getting the listenership for it. So I think you're justified in, in getting that grant when you apply. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell the grant committee you said that when we're, when we're talking yeah, to them. Yeah, why not? 
And maybe this is a question more for Lindsay, who's like the reporter, the producer in on your team, I guess. Um, I know that the podcast and the course has definitely got an educational goal. I'm curious if there's any goal of just reaching the general public too. Do you think that your course is for just the average person or is it really kind of like kids who are learning about biology? Well, I mean, we aimed towards kids age six to 12. So I feel like that also connects to the average person because, you know, we're all learning the same thing that six and 12 year olds are learning. (laughs) I guess if that's what, I think journalists have said the same thing. Yeah. Someone told me that they write newspapers with that junior high level of English just so that everybody can read it. It makes sense. Yeah. To do that. Yeah. You know, something we've heard a lot from our listeners is that the parents enjoy listening too. So, you know, I, I'm sure somewhere out there, there are parents who are like tearing their hair out and being like, I never want to hear Marshall's voice again. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, we hear the people who tell us, tell us that the parents like listening as well and that they learn something too. And I can tell you, I, I learned something from all of our episodes and it's, yeah, it's, it's really terrific. And I think, I mean, Lindsay is, for her whole career as a science communicator, has been very passionate about trying to better communicate science to the public and correct common misconceptions people have about what it means that scientists say X. Yeah. And that's a super important mission, I think, especially today, as we see. Yeah. Um, So you already told me how we can find out more about your new pod course on Himalaya Learning. And as the school year starts, people can check it out and I guess they'll tell you how it goes, right? Yeah, yeah, please do. I would love to hear from any teachers who decide to use the pod course in their classroom. And in fact, before they do, they should get in touch with me through our website at sciencepodcastforkids.com because we, we have some coupon codes we're allowed to give for teachers who are using it uh, in the classroom so that their students can use, get it for free. So, Comes with all the worksheets and yeah. the other things you were mentioning. Okay. Yeah. It would be I, like the, if they use the code, they'd get, the students would have free access for 90 days. So that's, that's plenty of time to go through 10 episodes. So yeah, if, if any teacher is planning on doing that, just go to our website, science podcast for kids, write an email and I will give you the coupon code so that your kids don't have to pay. Awesome. Yeah. Everyone likes free stuff. Yeah. Marshall, I I think that's all I got for you right now. I'm really glad I could catch up with you and hear about your new project. I'm glad you're safe. It sounds like. Yeah. And I hope we're all going to continue to be safe. Yeah, me too. I I hope a speedy resolution and maybe they'll find a vaccine before we know it. All right. Well, I'll keep up on the news of of what you're doing. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. And uh, thanks so much for having me on. That was Marshall Escamilla, producer of the Tumble Podcast. As always, check the show notes for links to lots of cool stuff you heard today. The K-12 Engineering Education Podcast is sponsored by my studio, Pios Labs, in Austin, Texas, and also by the Engineer's Guide to Improv and Art Games, available through Amazon and other booksellers. This show is also made possible by much-appreciated individuals donating to the show on Patreon. You can help continue the podcast by donating online. 
just check out patreon.com slash pioslabs. Visit the podcast website for show notes, links, transcripts, and more. Go to k12engineering.net. That's k12engineering.net. I worked so hard on it to update it, so go check it out. Thank you for donating. Thank you for listening. And thank you for staying safe and wearing your mask in this time. Tune in next time.